Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good morning. It's Thursday and it's a bumper day because we'll be dropping not one but two podcasts into your feed today from Davos. I'm Suzanne Lynch, Politico's Chief Brussels Correspondent, reporting this week from the World Economic Forum in the Swiss Alps. Later today, in our podcast that will drop this evening, we'll be looking closer at one of the big themes this week, Russia's war in Ukraine, and hearing more about what people have been saying here following Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's address yesterday. So make sure to watch out for that one in your podcast feed. Meanwhile, in this episode... We come at it from the point of view that nuclear, discovered by the Curies, is an amazing, amazing gift from nature. And it's been perverted into a disease, a contamination disease, which it is not, that's so scary that we've lost the ability to use it. That's Oliver Stone, the Academy Award-winning director, who spoke to Politico Europe's editor-in-chief, Jamil Anderlini, about his latest documentary on nuclear power. It's a controversial topic, and it's been one of the big issues people have been talking about here in Davos, energy and how global economies can best transition in order to protect the planet. Later, we'll follow up on the debate we've been covering over the past week, and that's the transatlantic tit-for-tat between the US and the EU over industry subsidies. The EU's Commissioner for the Economy, Paolo Gentiloni, will weigh in on the debate. But first, let's welcome our Editor-in-Chief, Jamil Anderlini. What's your take so far? We're coming to the end of Davos. I mean, has it been a good week? Has it been an interesting week? I mean, it's always interesting. It's um, it's a stark difference, I think, from the summer one where we were in May last year. There's just it's back to normal, right? So, not as many world leaders as in some previous years. Not the sort of the big headliners, the Macrons or the Bidens or the Putins uh, or the Xi Jinping's, but a lot of the the business community are back, and you know. You and I have both talked to some of uh, these titans of industry, and what they will say is that the, for the millions that they spend just to be here, to be in the room and to be in the club here at Davos, it's worth it. It's seven or eight months worth of jetting around the world in private jets to do client meetings. They can condense into one single week. So I'm not giving an advertisement for the forum. I'm just telling you what I'm yeah. hearing, and it, and you and I see it, right? You, you barely sleep. You're sort of meeting to meeting to meeting, and then there's the serendipitous meetings where you sort of grab someone, you know, some world leader or some. And so yeah, it's look. The themes are the same sorts of themes: uh, Ukraine, China, globalization or deglobalization. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it's been some of those big issues. But there was also uh, some time for some other kind of lighter, I won't call it lighter, but more interesting uh, side events. And that's including one you did yourself uh, this week in the Blockchain Hub with Oliver Stone. So we've got some celebrity Hollywood glamour now in our podcast. Yeah, Oliver Stone. Um, as I said on the stage to him, uh, the creator of some of my favorite films and the creator of some of my father's favorite films. I mean, the guy's been around for a while and he's lived a full life, let's say. A very, I mean, he's, he's a little worse for wear. Um, he's a little deaf, but he is, I mean, he's a sort of, he's a maverick, right? He's kind of this old style leftist who is a contrarian who wants to, you know, he wants to shake things up. So we had some controversy at the beginning of the session. Tell us more. Yeah, there was a Ukrainian who uh, shouted at him a lot and was trying to get him to respond to whether he regretted the film that he made with Putin. And uh, Oliver Stone didn't answer, but I made sure that I asked that same question at the very end of the session uh, because I felt like it's a fair enough question. Yeah. And Just to be fair to the Ukrainian journalist who was kicked out, <laughs> do you regret making the movie about Putin? That's not the issue here. I... Uh... I'm very proud of the movie, and actually, if you, go, if you look at it, and very few people do, I think you're going to be surprised at what you'll learn. Okay? Fair enough. Glad to see you still have your reporting instincts, Jamil. <laughs> so his big theme, his big thing, really, is nuclear power. Yeah, his latest documentary that he's here to plug here in Davos is all about the virtues of uh, nuclear power, the Promethean flame, as he liked to call it. He's, a, he's you know, an, artist. an artist. He's an artist. So it's a very, I mean, it's a classic Oliver Stone, contrarian, very, very strong position. Nuclear energy is the savior of the climate. It's just been given a bad rap by what he calls the environmentalists in cahoots with big oil and big energy. And I mean, it's, you know, if you've watched JFK, for example, his film about how it was all you know, the CIA, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. We're going to hear more from that discussion now. It's a great pleasure for me this evening to have with me Oliver Stone, famed director. I grew up on your movies. My father grew up on your movies. Um, so, uh, and Joshua Goldstein, it's uh, wonderful to meet you too, new friend. Um, You've made this movie together focusing on nuclear energy. So for my benefit, as well as for the audience's benefit, could you tell us a little bit about, about the film? So I wrote a book about uh, how France and Sweden had decarbonized really fast. That uh, There's the book, A Bright Future. And uh, Oliver saw it reviewed in the New York Times. He talked about making a documentary of it. I was thrilled because the book is all full of graphs and numbers. It's very rational. It tells you why you shouldn't be afraid of nuclear power, because everything you know about it isn't true. It's a bunch of propaganda, The Simpsons, etc. But the, that doesn't get through to people if they're afraid. It's too rational. And so uh, a film, it's a different language. It's more emotional and uh, tells a story. And Oliver was able to turn this from a kind of technical subject into a big human-scale story about the future of humanity. I'm just thrilled with how he did that. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty short, That's huh? pretty good. There's a lot of misunderstanding here. And I really feel it's important to the life of the planet. It's the continuation. Not just to have a future, but to have a future you can look forward to. This is very important to all those of us who are older, because those, we have children, we have grandchildren. What are they going to do? And we have seen the power of the droughts, the hurricanes, the so-called rivers of, out of the ocean. The ocean is a key factor here. And you, at Davos, you talk about the ocean, and you talk about all these things, but 
I wish you'd focus on how to fix, and that's what this book does. It is a reasonable solution and an economical one in the end. That's what's so beautiful about the book. It's not a lot of, it's easy to read, it's practical. Practical is the word. And I have no expert, so I could be, he, this guy could be a Charlton and I could be dead wrong. <laughs> but I believe him. I trust what he's saying. But it is so important, much more important than any other subject right now to me. It's about how can life continue and uh, how can it be a good life, not a uh, crummy life. And if I could just give Oliver a little credit here, he is not just taking my word on this. He went around the world. He visited countries, talked to the top people in the industry, went inside nuclear plants and so forth. And this was three years of effort. um, My job mostly was uh, making sure everything in it was correct. And we've now vetted it with dozens of scientists and engineers, industry people. Uh, We know it's right. We know the story is right. But people just block it out because of the fear. So that's, what, that's our main thing. We have to get past this wall of fear and ignorance, and that's why we're here in Davos. I want to dig a little bit deeper. When you say the fear, uh, you mean people's fear of nuclear energy. It's a very big topic, obviously, here in Europe, uh, particularly since the tsunami in Japan. You've seen nuclear power being shut down across the continent. Right. In Germany, the last couple of uh, reactors were supposed to be uh, shut down by the end of last year. Now they've had a stay of execution for a, for a couple of months, and there's talk about maybe letting them last a bit longer. Where do you believe, or where do you posit the fear comes from? Well, originally it comes from the early Cold War, especially our generation who remember vividly hiding under our desks because at any mo- in school because at any moment there could be an alarm and it could be a nuclear war and our entire world, everything we knew would be gone. I mean, it's a huge trauma, a generational trauma. And then building on that, early on in the history of the nuclear industry, the unholy alliance formed between fossil fuel interests, who were very threatened by it, and uh, environmental groups who were building on this fear to stop nuclear energy. Confounding nuclear power with nuclear war. So, but the fear is misplaced in people's minds. And would you say the accidents that have, that have happened have uh, added to that fear? I mean, I you know, think we should have had more Fukushima, accidents. there's Chernobyl, there's... Yeah, nobody likes when I say this, but if we'd had more accidents, like flying in planes, they crash every once in a while, right? People were very afraid of them, and then they discovered they're very convenient, and they fly, but, but we're still kind of scared of them, and they crash every so often. But you know that the statistics are, they're a lot safer than driving, and so you fly. But nuclear power, because it's so safe, we've only had one fatal nuclear accident in the entire 70 years. That was Chernobyl. Nobody died from the nuclear power plant in Fukushima. That was all the tsunami. You don't know that. Mm. Yeah. Nobody and so uh, then if nothing ever goes wrong, you think nothing must ever go wrong. And if anything does, it'll probably be like the end of the world. But then it's not true at all. So if we, if we treated it more like any other energy source, it would win by a mile. Uh, 18,000 people died in Fukushima from a tsunami. Mm. Absolutely. And other people died because it was mismanaged evacuation. Zero deaths from any kind of radiation at Fukushima. Just keep that in mind. It's part of the misunderstanding, miseducation that goes on. I've been in Brussels now a little over a year, and it's been, if I talk to my German colleagues, almost all of them, they're just like, well, nuclear, it's just, it's just terrible. Like, how could you even discuss? What is special about Germany? 
The European countries that are most against nuclear power, it's because of the parliamentary system and the Green Party. So you form up a government and you need the Green Party votes to make a majority in parliament. And the Green Party says, we'll, we'll vote with you on all the foreign policy, all the domestic policy, but the only thing is you've got to shut off nuclear power. It's their top priority. And so this happened in Sweden, although now they've got a new government that's going to build more nuclear. It doesn't include the Green Party. It happened in Germany. It happened in Belgium. It's a little different politics in the United States, but that's the thing. And then Germany also, it was at the center of the Cold War. So you talk about these existential fears that this is all built on. You know, we're going to be blown up in a nuclear war. Well, Germany, they've got war trauma in that way, right? So um, the war in Ukraine has definitely affected the debate about, around energy. How would is that coming to your film? Do you, do you mention about the... Was it done before? It was done before. Done before the yeah. film. So I'm interested to hear from you how you think that's affecting the debate. I mean, the one way it's affecting the debate is it cut off all that Russian gas that was like, you know, addicted substance for, for Germany, especially in other countries. And so now people are like, whoa, we're dependent on someone else for our economy. This is what happened exactly to France in the 1970s. In the 1973 oil crisis, France was dependent on that Middle East oil to run their economy. And so the realization that some foreign power, whoever it is, can cut off your supply of energy and bring your economy to its knees is very unsettling and should be. And so France said, with nuclear power, we can create our own energy. You know, we, we, can, have, we can be masters of our fate. We come at it from the point of view that nuclear, discovered by the Curies, and is an amazing, amazing gift from nature. And it's been perverted into a disease, the contamination disease, which it is not, that's so scary that we've lost the ability to use it. So Prometheus gave us the gift. We shrugged, and now we have to take the gift back. We have to go back to Prometheus and say, look, it's time to get serious here if we want to save ourselves. This is really a basic case of a myth not being enacted a lie being told about something that really was beneficial to mankind. And the film goes through the whole history. I feel very strongly about this because I don't, I'm, not, I'm not an expert, but I feel that we were robbed. We were robbed. And lies were told because these people really would... The environmentalists, bless them, they did a lot of good. The Dr. Moore, who, one of the founders of Greenpeace, is in our film, and he says very clearly, they did a lot of good, save the whales... Uh, nuclear bombs, etc., uh, etc., et but they were wrong about one thing, nuclear power. And so I want to give a chance to, uh, one or two chances to the audience to uh, ask questions, so I'll start with you, sir. Bar this film, which is your favorite film? Oh, I, I regard them all as my favorite films. They're wives. You can't talk about it. <laughs> so you, you go through a painful divorce okay. each time. Okay. Thank you very much. That was political Jamil Anderlini in conversation with director Oliver Stone and Joshua Goldstein. Now, coming up, we're going to hear from the EU's top dog when it comes to the economy, and that's Italian commissioner Paolo Gentiloni. Stay right with us. 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So for those of you following along this week, and I hope you have, we've been broadcasting each day from the World Economic Forum in Davos. We have been reporting the fact that delegations from the EU and the United States have been meeting to discuss how they move forward following America's move to spend billions of dollars to support their own green industry. The EU says the bill is protectionist and threatens to put European businesses at a major disadvantage. Our colleague Jakob Hankavella sat down with Paolo Gentiloni, the EU's economy commissioner. So Jakob, tell us more. Yes, Suzanne. So this is a guy who is working with other commissioners and Commission President Ursula von der Leyen on this plan to counter the US subsidies. And while we were speaking, we were in the Davos Media Center. There were helicopters flying over, as you might hear that from the big shots coming in. He made a very important point. He said, we need to work on two pillars in parallel. So one pillar being subsidy rules changed or adapted, but the other pillar being common EU funding for countries that don't have deep pockets like Germany and France to also afford this new industrial strategy. Okay, let's hear some highlights from that discussion now. Yesterday, there was a big announcement, a speech from Commission President Ursula von der Leyen on the EU's reaction to the Inflation Reduction Act, the subsidy package from the US. It's been framed as a reaction to the US subsidies, but actually the IRA is also a reaction to EU subsidies from before, right? Well, I wouldn't describe this as a US-EU trade competition or, or something, or war in subsidies. I think the point for us, the European Union, is quite clear. We are in an economic situation which is probably less negative than we were expecting a few months ago. But at the same time, we are facing a hard challenge in terms of competitiveness. Why are we facing this challenge? Mostly and firstly, because of the disadvantage that the European economy has in terms of energy prices. So the point is to be aware of the fact that this crisis, differently from the COVID crisis, Mm -hmm. is an asymmetric crisis. Mm. The crisis Ukraine energy Mm. is affecting in particular Europe Mm. and the emerging economies, Mm. not at the same level the other advantages economies. Hmm. COVID was for everyone. everyone. So here we have a disadvantage based on the fact that energy prices are different and 
honestly, we have to say that they will remain mm. different mm. for a certain number of mm. years. Mm. On top of this, there is a, this initiative, which is very positive in terms of Green Deal, mm. but very challenging for our industries, which is the IRA. Mm. So what should we do? Of course, work on energy to gradually reduce this disadvantage. But we have also a particular issue on competitiveness because we know that there is this disadvantage on energy prices. And on top of this, there is the attraction of the mm. IRA yeah. in certain sectors for certain companies and the risk that these companies are encouraged to move. To move. Yeah. Now, the Belgian Prime Minister, Alexander de Croo, said publicly the US was calling up European companies and telling them, you should move here while you're investing in Belgium. Uh, we have a much more attractive environment. Now, that kind of clashes with the US story, which is, We didn't know the effect this was going to have, and this was never intended to lure European companies across the Atlantic. Well, it was intended to strengthen the uh, U.S. economy mm. and the U.S. industry. And we have to react not with a subsidies war, but with tools to strengthen our competitiveness mm -hmm. and our industries. Now, in the announcement that Commission President von der Leyen made yesterday, she said she wants to loosen state aid rules. These are the rules that, that keep huge subsidies in check for member states not to compete against each other. At the same time, we had data very recently from, from your colleague uh, in the college, Margrethe Vestager, who said that 80% of the subsidies granted last year were given by two countries, namely Germany and France. Do you see a risk here that the single market could disintegrate? Well, I, I see the need to very clearly define what we are talking about when we talk of loosening the state aid rules. Mm -hmm. uh, But and then in some sectors, we have to streamline these rules, mm -hmm. especially in sectors where catching up uh, with China or U.S. Mm -hmm. is crucial. So that would allow more subsidies than before? Yes, in some sectors. In some sectors. And in, um, on, on, in these sectors, do you not see a risk that the countries with bigger, with deeper pockets, like Germany? Well, no, provided that we are not giving a general green light, disrupting the model based on competition and rules concerning the state aid, and provided that we also work for coupling this limited intervention on state aid rules with common tools no. supporting each and every country. Now, the common tools, are you referring to an EU fund? Common financing. You know, common financing is always a controversial issue mm -hmm. in our conversation mm -hmm. in Europe. And rightly so, of course. But we have to know that our competitiveness in several sectors needs the scale of a market with 450 million citizens and consumers. You can't address these challenges each country in its own. Mm. Even the biggest country like Germany, it's perfectly legitimate for Germany to intervene to help its own industry, but 
nobody can deny, I think, the need of a common response. Mm -hmm. So I think, as President von der Leyen said here yesterday, that we have to work in parallel. Mm -hmm. One side, regulation, loosening in limited sector, the state aid rules. In the other side, financing in common, mm -hmm. some priority of European industrial policy. Thanks very much, Commissioner. Thank you. Thanks again to Jakob for bringing us that discussion with Paolo Gentiloni. And that's it for this episode. As I said earlier, we'll be back in your feed later today with our final podcast from the World Economic Forum. So it's one not to miss. So thanks for joining us. I'm Suzanne Lynch. Thanks to our producer, Christina Gonzalez. See you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.